When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Full of frustration. Full of despair. From years of hurt, disappointment and relegation. Two British football fans have had enough. Canary Bird Elliot Holman and Wanderer Henry Hewitt are in search of glory, pride, passion, in search of silverware. And they found Major League Soccer. Where's MLS UK show gone? When are you guys going to do another episode? Hello, you. This is the MLS UK show. We are back and we shall explain our absence. However, let's do it. Season two, episode two. I'm Elliot Holman. And I'm Henry Hewitt. Let's get going. Loads and loads for us to catch up on. So much has been happening in the off-season, the pre-season, whatever you call it. We'll catch you up on all the biggest transfers, ins and outs. Yeah, my boys, Atlanta, been very busy. We'll be doing a a bit of a preview to their season and uh, Toronto as well after Gio left. Yeah, we'll be speaking to an Atlanta United fan and a Toronto FC fan about those ins and outs. Let's get cracking. Elliot Holman, Henry Hewitt, MLS UK Show. Shall we wade straight in with the explanation? Uh, yeah, I think you better do this. <laughs> uh, it's mainly my fault, I'll be honest with you. Um, so myself and Henry have worked together outside of this podcast for five years. Uh, did a, a show that a national radio show that, that went out across the UK uh, every single evening, which gave us loads of time in a studio to kind of record this podcast. Um, and I decided to uh, stab him in the back and leave him <laughs> uh, and abandon him. And uh, and so it's just kind of been a little bit of a change for both of us getting into our new schedules. I now work daytime at the same radio station. Henry works in the evening. So it's kind of meeting in the middle to try and find uh, some middle ground to record this. But we're, we're at it. We're on it. Yeah. If you listen back to episode 24, I want to say it's called Hollywood Headlines. That kind of explains the change in Elliot's uh, situation outside mm. of the podcast. So... Um, that's why uh, you've decided to, to have your evenings back. Um, I'm not quite in that situation yet. I'm sure my girlfriend would love to be, but uh, I can still afford to give up my evenings up. But uh, the MLS UK show lives on. It will live on. Um, and we're going to try, he says, he says, we're going to try like weekly now uh, going on through the season because there's so much starting to happen. Um, I want to say, though, just before we talk, look forward and talk about 
you know, what's been happening in MLS. I just want to say thank you because our episode one of season two um, was one of our most popular podcasts, one of the most listened to. If you've not listened to it yet, it's well worth listening to. We talk about the Super Draft and we uh, are joined by Mo Adams of Chicago Fire as well. Mm. Uh, good little, uh, good little bit of inside info from Mo Adams regarding uh, his preseason and just how early it started and how much work really, really goes in at this time of the uh, of the season. Yeah, um, but now all the scrimmages have started, which for you and me are preseason friendlies, um, and there's also uh, transfers going on and and all sorts. It's been a, a very busy time in MLS. And and hold your horses, guys, because Orlando City have already won a game. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who was it against? Was it against the... Uh... Hold that thought. Hold that thought. I'm just... Uh... <clears throat> yeah. Just preparing. Let me guess. It was First against... one of the season. Against the Pittsburgh under-12 team. It's against Louisville City, actually. Oh, OK. That's not yeah. too bad. U- USL champions yeah. with James O'Connor. Yeah. And all I have to say on the matter is... <laughs> Nah, I'm saving it. Yeah, first game. I'm saving it for New York City first game. You think you're going to beat New York City? Nope. Uh, <laughs> so we'll kick off, as always, with the game with the changing name. Yes. I have got a, a very topical player. Uh, that's all I'm going to say, a topical player. Um, and I'm going to give you their career path, which does include UK and MLS. Yeah, we changed it last episode, didn't mm-hmm. we? Uh, last season, it was purely M- uh, like UK born players that have gone over to MLS mm-hmm. we then started to run out so we're doing now players that have played in both the UK and MLS however this one you don't know who I've chosen this one is English oh okay began his career at Manchester City made one whole appearance moved to Preston West Ham Bolton Wanderers oh okay uh MLS debut was with Seattle Sounders, 65 appearances. Um, also played for two other MLS teams, but it will give it away. So I'm just going to give you Seattle Sounders as the MLS team. Um, so it's Man City, Preston, Bolton Wanderers, Seattle Sounders. There's plenty more, but because people always go, oh, you missed out. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, if we gave you all of them, it'd be too easy. What year did he play for Bolton? Oh, years. 2011 to 2014. Mm, interesting. And all I'm going to say is it's topical. Okay, I'll have a think about that. Been in the news this week. <sighs> when a Bolton not in the news. Well, it's, it's nothing to do with Bolton, believe it or not. Uh, at MLS UK Show, if you want to get involved with this week's The Game with the Changing Name. Yep. Now, where to start? Uh, I think um, we'd better start with the uh, the departures. The big three mm. have all left MLS. Um, at this point, I need to say... David Villa, legend. We will be talking to a New York City fan in the next couple of weeks. So if you're an NYC FC fan and you're like, oh, well, you've missed out. David Villa is a legend. We're not going to. We will pick that up uh, soon. Yep. Uh, yeah, we shall deal with that. I promise. Uh, I have news on NYC. Should we do that now just quickly? Yep. Um, so uh, NYC FC. Wait, wait a minute. I've made notes on three different devices. Bear with. There's so much going on. Um, NYC FC. Oh, there's, there's my phone. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Step away We've from the this. microphone. Um, NYCFC, Alexandru Mitrita. Yes. 8.5 mil is supposedly uh, David Villa's replacement. Now, 8.5 mil, a lot of money for an MLS uh, MLS side. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot for a City group side. No. If Man City spent 8.5 million, you would not bat an eyelid. 
Um, so, so he comes in 24 years old, um, played for the Romanian national team, uh, played for Pescara uh, in, in Italy, probably most notably, um, and was recently at a Romanian side that I don't want to try and pronounce. 16 appearances, 12 goals, 4 assists, and it's his birthday today. Oh, well, happy birthday. So happy birthday to Alexandru, uh, who comes to MLS to NYC FC. I saw the video that NYC put up to uh, confirm, to announce the mm. signing, and he looks a very good player, so very exciting. Uh, right, we need to talk Atlanta United. Mm-hmm. We're going to get this out of the way quite early on in the preseason, just because we're going to try and talk about every team. We're going to try and have a, a fan on from every team over the next few weeks. If you'd like to volunteer your services... We have got somebody for every team, but it's always good to have more. So yeah. uh, at MLS UK Show on Twitter, if you want to volunteer your services uh, to come and chat about your side. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So um, we thought we'd get Atlanta out early doors. But yeah, Atlanta, out the way. to be honest, have been probably the busiest side. New manager, new players. Uh, and obviously Miggy's left, mm. so, uh, which is sad. Um, so we're going to be joined now by, uh, well... He's one of our Atlanta United representatives. We've got quite a few for Atlanta United, so we will be sharing it about. But Jeb Hart is going to be joining us right now. Jeb, welcome to the MLS UK show. First of all, you must be still pretty hyped about the MLS Cup win, right? I had a little bit of uh, come down time. I've, I've had enough time to process it. It was one of those things that kind of went in waves. I was I was you know in the stadium, and it was one of those, I mean, I didn't, believe it when it happened i didn't believe it a couple days after because those obviously people from america are familiar with the atlanta sports curse and i don't know how familiar you are um you know in the uk with it but we've had you know it's the worst type of curse because we're teams atlanta's always fielded teams that were never bad they were never like a cleveland browns or the orlando city where you just come to the idea of the fact that we're not going to be good, but I'm going to enjoy this. It'll be fun. This is my team. They're always just good enough to give you hope, and they're just good enough to make you think, all right, we could do this, and then it all comes crashing down. I mean, the Falcons blew the biggest lead in Super Bowl history, and then the Braves had the greatest pitching staff ever assembled, won 14 straight division titles, won one World Series. So it's just this constant waiting for the next shoe to drop. So the atmosphere within the stadium – even as we were up to, even as the, the ref was about to blow the whistle, it was equal parts elation and equal parts just relief. I mean, it was, it was probably more relief than it was elation. And I'm coming to terms with actually winning something. Uh, can I just say as well, Jeb, thank you for uh, for anyone who doesn't necessarily understand NFL or baseball, um, you know, might not understand the references. But when you actually said Orlando City, I think we all understood uh, They're crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks, mate. Cheers. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I'm just going to leave you two to it. <laughs> uh, can I Can I say, actually, um, because uh, there, there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of abuse coming my way when the uh, MLS Cup final was on. Genuinely, right, Jeb? I'm not just saying this, mate. I, I, I really enjoyed the MLS Cup final. I really enjoyed the playoffs. Yes, we weren't in it, but Atlanta especially, the, the right team won. Atlanta were absolutely miles ahead of any other competition. Uh, Red Bulls, 
pushed you close during the during the season but uh, you know I'm I'm really pleased for for Atlanta I think it was so deserving I think the way that the club has been set up I think the way they've attacked MLS has just been so admirable they're great to watch genuinely I have n- absolutely nothing against Atlanta lifting that cup because it was it was so deserved and it had a, a sort of kind of seminal moment and I don't know how much that's inflated by me being you know, a fan of the team or whatever it may be, but I've obviously been a fan of the sport for a long time and I've watched MLS Cups and they've always felt like a big deal. But from both being in the city and being at the game and then rewatching it on TV, both the size and spectacle and scope of it all kind of gave it this sort of, it gave it a validity and a this is a big deal vibe that I think it has lacked in the past. And I don't know, how much of that has to do with the league growing as a whole or how much of it had to do with it. I mean, cause you get in, I mean, and I, I as Alexi lawless was saying, you know, he got, he got in uh, first thing he did was hop in an Uber and the guy recognized him. And the first thing he said was that was a dumb take you had about us not being able to beat the red bulls. <laughs> and it, he basically said it's the, the taxi driver index, however much he gets yelled at, he knows that it actually matters in that city. And I think that really did help to kind of grow it and make it a bigger spectacle and a bigger deal. And I think that'll push the league forward for years to come, especially with the new franchises coming in. So going forward, Jeb, uh, we need to talk 2019. The The only place to start, of course, is uh, is Al Marone. He's gone. How do you feel honestly? And how do you feel that you'll cope on the field without Miggy? So, in the MLS Cup, when he walked off, I think there was, I mean, he, he got a standing ovation as he would have if he was coming back next year. But it was it was one that was tinged with this, you know, kind of preemptive knowledge that this was the last time we were going to see him in the five stripes. And it, it it's one of those things that had he been traded out of the blue or something, this was part of a organized idea by Darren Niels and Carlos Pocanegra at the inception of the club is that we will make you a promise, Miguel Almiron. You will make it. If you come here, we can get you to Europe. And Miguel bought in on that idea. And in him going to Newcastle, going to Europe and fulfilling his dream, they came through on their end of the bargain. So I think, you know, it's sad to see him go. But I think the long-term ramifications of being able to say, look at what we did. It's doable. He did it. We can do it for the young South Americans that we're trying to get and trying to build this entire concept off of. It's point as a proof of concept that this does work. And I think that obviously his success in Europe will you know, play a role into that. And that's kind of a a different question we can get into as to how we think he'll do. But, you know, I think that, you know, I'm sad to see him go, but I'm really happy for him because I think it boded well for the club that we held up on our end of the deal. He left on great terms. I don't think you can find anybody in Atlanta say a bad word about him because he always made it clear that this was his dream and we never wanted to hold him back from that. And I mean, we'll miss him uh, as a personality, as a player all around, but I think he laid the bedrock for what is a new model in the NFL and proved that it's doable. Uh, well, Jeb, you've you've brought us nicely on to our next question, which is, Jeb, how do you think he will do at Newcastle United? 
All right. So <laughs> I, I've been I've been asked this a bunch, can, and I, I think he's off to a good start um, already because now Newcastle fans, whenever they see that transfer list and that record that's gone on forever, they don't have to see Michael Owens' list at the top of it every damn year. Uh, I think that's probably got some sour taste. So at least, that's a step one. But I mean, there's there's a saying that that happens a lot in basketball is that you can't teach height, and in football and soccer you can't teach speed. Pace travels, and he's as pacey as you can be. He's got unbelievable distribution, and you know he he's got a great shot, but he sometimes. Uh, neglects to take it uh sometimes he could be a little bit more selfish in some instances but i think with newcastle he is exactly what they need in the middle right there because right now they have nobody who's creative they have nobody i mean they got they have 21 goals they have the least amount of goals outside of huddersfield who scored 13 but then there's 21 i believe and so i mean they have no creativity they have no flair i think he can fit right in there especially if he can hook up with um you know, Raul Don, I think he he's had a pretty decent run with another Venezuelan in Atlanta. And if they can emulate a fraction of that, I think it can really do it. His one knock, and this is the one thing that keeps getting brought up, keeps getting brought up, is the physicality of the league. And he is a skinny guy, and I mean, you can see in pictures, and it just that's what he looks like. That is who he is. But and I don't think you can find a single person that would argue that the MLS is a more physical league than the EPL. It's just not. There's it's two different levels. But I, I could make the argument, and y'all have seen many Atlanta games, that for him, for Miguel, this league is just as physical as it would be in the EPL, strictly because he was so much better, so much faster, broke away so often that either out of frustration or a tactical foul, he got taken down hard four, five, six, seven times a game and popped right up. And I think, I mean, he, he has the ability to take it. And in the EPL, he's not going to be the guy. He might be the guy for Newcastle, but he's not going to be the best player in the league that's going to get these frustration tackles and things like that. And I think he'll hold up. Uh, going back to the to the actual uh, Mickey deal, uh, I, I tweeted this, but it's important that everybody just realizes, look, this is a great deal for, for everyone I- involved. Uh, you mentioned Darren Eels. The promise was made. Miggy Miggy went to Atlanta. He delivered more than you guys could probably ever have imagined. The money they paid for him, I think, was uh, that Atlanta paid for him was was great. I think they've got a great return on investment with assists, goals, performances, MLS Cup. Newcastle have come in. They've made a massive profit. And Newcastle, you know, like that money in the Premier League, it's not really massive money. I just think everyone's everyone's going to be happy here. And, and and I think that it, it also showed, especially long term, that you know Darren Eels, who and I think a, a lot of the credit go. I mean, the vast majority of the credit goes to Darren Eels. I mean, to to uh, Arthur Blank for putting the correct people in charge in Darren Eels and Carlos Bocanegra. But I think Darren Eels in this situation showed that both this and in the Barco trade and the Barco transfer, and then we'll get into the pity one later, but it showed that he wasn't going to be pushed around. He wasn't a naive because Newcastle was standing strong on that $20 million. And another thing with this, you know, transfer going back and forth, there was a lot of misreporting between pounds and dollars. So figures were all over the place, but it was, it was basically, they were standing at, we're going to pay you 20 million 
we're not moving. And he said, that's not enough. And then just hung up the phone. And if you show that, and especially given the situation they were in by it being very clear that Pity Martinez was coming and that there weren't enough spots for what we had, I think it was a great bit of negotiation on his end to get the money he did get out of it, knowing, you know, the basically if you can get money from somebody who knows you have to sell something, then you've done a good job. Exactly. You've hit the nail on the head there. And you mentioned Pity. We need to get on to Pity Martinez because Almiron's gone. Six million for in my uh, fantasy Premier League. He's gone straight in, so he needs to deliver. But Atlanta <laughs> need a new hero. Talk to us. Give us everything you know about uh, Almiron's so-called replacement, PT Martinez. Well, I know from the start that it is another piece of great business on the part of the front office because these rumors of PT Martinez coming in from River Plate have been circulating and percolating since, you know, a little bit after the midway point of the season. So it showed that they had a succession plan in place, knowing that Miguel would leave. They scouted, figured out who would be a guy to come in and take over, not necessarily his exact role, but a way that he would fit into the team to not lose any production. He's, you know, 25 years old, um, and he was, you know, voted the South American Player of the Year, um, and so I mean the, the, that's a huge pundit uh, plotted in and of itself. I mean, I believe he was the MVP of the Copa Libertadores, you know, the the biggest one in history of the you know Boca River game that had to get moved because I mean he's played in big games. He was the number ten for River Plate, and I mean there's there's interest from Europe, but. Between him not being able to get a passport due to he's gotten, I believe, two or three uh, call ups to the Argentinian national team. Um, So but that's not enough to merit that exemption that you get um, for a passport. So that was a huge block for his way to Europe. And then he's right at that age of. Twenty five was a little too old for them to invest money for development and his cost was right at that area. It was around $16 million to where it was a little much for them to pay for a guy that age if they had to work to get a pet. So he fell into this sweet spot to where he was going to be a great guy for us to go after. And in these preseason games, he actually – I saw him yesterday in the first one. They played a 80-minute, uh, uh, a 40-minute, one half, 40-minute, other half against Tijuana's. So they beat him 6-1. Uh, to one. Uh, he had an assist and looked great on the ball. Uh, Joseph uh, Martinez had four goals and two assists, uh, so he still got it. Um, and he seemed to be slotting in. And I think the biggest concern with all of it is how is it all going to fit together. And uh, the second half they had, Barco um, was in there in this game. And I, It's a preseason game, and you don't take much from it, but Barco was actually kind of slotting more into the 10. They were, it was very fluid in the formation they were running, and Barco actually looked great. I think a lot of people will be surprised because they wrote him off because Barco and Miguel did not fit. They loved each other as people, but on the pitch, they did not fit well in playing styles. And I think that's a huge um, you know, checkbox in the positive for Pity is that he fits 
his style much better with what Barco already has. You've pretty much explained everything with Pity there, but one more thing I want to just ask your opinion on. Um, you said before about Almiron and uh, the kind of law to go to Atlanta was in two years we'll get you to Europe. Now, I know uh, Pity maybe wouldn't have had that option now with the passport issues. Do you think they would have said the same to him, saying, look what we did to Almiron, we'll do that for you as well? In interviews he's given, he's said that, you know, since he's little, he's wanted to go to Europe, but he, they didn't have faith in me. There was ones that weren't willing to pay Rivers' release clause because, again, he wasn't transferred. Uh, he was released. That was the initial. And I think they might have changed the deal at the end a little bit so they so that River could get a little bit more money. Uh, actually, as part of his deal, which I'm really excited about, uh, there's a River versus Atlanta friendly uh, where River gets to keep the proceeds. So I think that would be an awesome game to watch. Um, but he he basically said that, you know, Atlanta had faith in me and I like what they had to say. So his I, I don't think his sales pitch is was the same as Miggy's because Miggy, when he came in was in his very early twenties. I know that was the pitch that we gave to Barco to come was the same one we gave to Miggy. I can't say for certain that was the same pitch that was given, um, to Pity Martinez. Um, and those things can change and are kind of fluid because you look at that, that was the sales pitch that was given to Joseph Martinez. He was struggling at Torino. They were playing him in the wrong position. He hated it there, but they said, come over here we'll give you a nice platform to show yourself and then we'll get you back. And, you know, earlier on this year, he signed in the off season, he signs a five year extension and then gives a press conference and says, everybody thinks that you need to go somewhere or be somewhere else. This is my Barcelona. This is my Real Madrid. This is where I want to be. Um, and obviously he doesn't think that, you know, the clubs are comparable in style, but to him, the way he gets treated, the way he, you know, feels about the fans, the city, the way the front office, you know, it treats him. They gave him a raise with two years left on his contract because he deserved it. I mean, and so, I mean, I think there's, there's three different of uh, three or four different models of MLS player acquisition. You have the draft and most of the time that goes kind of crap or you can get lucky and get a Julian Gressel. Then there is the Zlatan Rooney, um, Pierre Lou, you, you chase down the list of guys coming over on, you know, walkers, but got a great name on their back, which is kind of old and tired, but sometimes works. There's the one that Atlanta is trying to do and has successfully done with Almiron, which is the stepping stone selling league. And I think that there's an asterisk on that is some of these guys that you bring over to sell, if they enjoy it enough, like a Yosef, then you have a player on your team who is of the highest quality for a long time and wants to be there. So it can be both a selling and a retention league at the same time. I think that that really does help it grow both on, you know, in a domestic way and in an in international perception. So with everything that, that we've just touched on there, uh, with Miggy leaving, with uh, with PT coming in, um, new coach as well, of course, a uh, few new faces. What's your prediction for 2019? Where do Atlanta United finish in MLS in 2019? And is there any silverware? Um, it's going to be, it, it's one of those things that I hesitate to answer directly. I think I mean, we, we haven't talked about Frank DeBoer, uh, who's obviously the new coach coming in. And obviously people in the UK remember his tenure at uh, Crystal Palace or 10 days at Crystal yeah, Palace, all, basically. All four days of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, less of a 10-year, more of a 10-day. Uh, and then his time at Inter. But, and I think that his reputation got a little bit sullied after he had an unbelievable run at his alma mater Ajax. And, and not, not to say that the quality of player on Atlanta is better than Crystal Palace, because it's not, or better than Inter, because it's not. But I think the structure of communication and stability within its own league is far more on par with what Ajax was in the Dutch league to where, you know, they know who they are. They have a system top to bottom. It's communicated. And that's where it fits. Crystal Palace bar. My only concern with, uh, you know, uh, Frank DeBoer was that he took those two jobs in the first place. Cause they didn't make any sense for him or his system or what he was asked to do. Cause they wanted him to flip Crystal Palace into winning in a couple of weeks, which isn't what he is. and isn't who he, that's not what he does. He's a system guy who, you know, builds you know a long-term thing won four straight titles i mean no there's no coach in the mls who did it and you know people kind of knocked on it because of his time and uh you know england and uh you know in inter milan didn't go great but you no one when bob bradley got hired at you know lafc and everybody was like oh good move when you know he lasted about the same time at swansea as you know as uh, frank did uh, in the premier league but no one brought that up so i think it's just a a bias of it. I believe in him. I in, in these games that I've seen, I think he's willing to give some of the younger guys some run. Um, and I think that's great because George Bello, uh, who I think could be one of the best exports we have on an Alfonso Davies esque level. Um, uh, I mean, he's still, I think he has, is about to turn 17 or just did and is just a player. And he's given him some run and he seems to be the first option left back right now. And that's why the guards of trade happened. Um, but I think to answer the question about, but you know, about silverware, I know we're going to prioritize the champions league. I know that they think that they're capable of winning it, being the first MLS team to do it. That's the goal. I mean, the, the goal has never, the goal is always to win champion, to win cups and MLS cups and shields and things like that. But Darren Eels's goal from the start was to say, we are going to be an international club, which seemed laughable. You know, when he said it to start with, but if it, it it's a very plausible. I mean, I think they are favorites right now, them and Monterey, who they oddly in the second round should they go through, uh, are favorites to win the Concacaf uh, uh, Champions League. So if they do that, I mean, there's a chance that they're playing Real Madrid or you know or Barca or whoever. That makes you an international club, and if you can accomplish that, I know that's where they're going to put all their eggs in that Champions League basket. The reverse of that is. You know, your, your season does suffer. I mean, look at Toronto. They made it to the final, and their their first part of their season got off to a rocky start. Then injuries happen. So, I mean, if you prioritize one competition over the other, it does tend to pull a little bit away. So, I don't think that they'll be shield contenders. I mean, I think they'll be shield contenders on sheer talent alone, but I think they might get off to a slow enough start to where it's a little bit harder. Um, I think if once they get to the ML, MLS Cup playoffs and they're healthy enough, they're good enough to do anything, but I think the depth uh, on all of this, the depth of that team, if you talk about last year, they brought Tito Vialba and Ezekiel Barco off the bench. They brought in who at the time, the most expensive player in, in MLS history transfer fee off the bench. So, I mean, the depth is there for multiple competitions. We just have to see how they weather it. 
Uh, well, Jeb, thanks very much. I mean, there's so much we've covered there. There's so much else we could cover with Atlanta United. But uh, thanks very much for joining us on this uh, episode of the MLS UK show. We'll speak to you throughout the season. You're one of our Atlanta United representatives. Uh, well, it's easy for me to say it, but best luck, best of luck for the season. Yeah, best of luck for the season. <laughs> Absolutely, y'all. I appreciate it and look forward to talking to y'all later on in the season. Have a good uh, rest of y'all's time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much to Jeb for joining us on MLS UK show. I like genuinely all jokes aside, I like I love talking about Atlanta. There's always so much going on. I know he knows his stuff. He is uh, an Atlanta insider, so um, yeah, so that's what we expected. But thanks, Jeb. Like I said before, we will be using all sorts of people throughout the season. So if you you're one of our Atlanta representatives and you've not been chosen this week, don't worry, we will choose you across the season. Uh, but you've got a lot to live up to. That was a great conversation. Certainly. Other big news, uh, the third of the big three to leave MLS uh, was uh, Sebastian Giovinco. Mm. Um, TFC fans, heartbroken, uh, if not disappointed that he's gone to Saudi Arabia. Uh, but we're going to have yeah. a chat with uh, Austin now, who is a Toronto fan. You must be heartbroken. I am. I am. Uh, wholeheartedly, I am devastated. I, you know, a, what he meant to this team and... Even the community, you know, he was an icon. Like, you know, you hear teams always saying we want to build, uh, be recognized for something. And he's what brought so much attention to this club. You know, you have people who didn't even know TFC, but they knew who Javinko was. He brought this, like, this stardom to the club. It was amazing. And he'll be missed. I would probably say that the the, the the first time I started to properly watch MLS over here in the UK was when uh, Giovinco first started playing for TFC. And it was kind of, it's a big move for him. Fair play to him for, for going over there at such a, an early stage in his career. And he kind of set a bit of a precedent, didn't he? Yeah, he did. You know, he uh, it was a big transfer fee at the time. I can't remember the numbers. You know, uh, following suit, we had, you know, Michael Bradley and uh, Altador. You know, prime players. They, it was great, and it's you know, at least he lasted longer than Jermaine Defoe did. But we won't talk about that. <laughs> Jermaine Defoe is a weird one for me because if I was if I was any MLS team um, four or five years ago, he's exactly yeah. the player that I would have wanted in my team. He's even come back into the Premier League and and really impressed. Well, I don't know if he really impressed playing for Sunderland, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, always a good, always a good finisher though, and that, that move swapping swapping Altidore, who didn't really work over here, well, didn't work at all over here for for Defoe, yeah. seemed like a great move for all parties in the end. Yeah, in the end, it's worked out well. Uh, but you know, Giovinco, what I've noticed, like he he dominated the league. What, I think it was over the course of his cor- uh, in all competition, he had something like eighty three goals and sixty three assists. Uh, over his entire stint, like uh, stint in MLS, which you know is impressive, nonetheless. Can I just can I just ask you before we talk about replacing uh, Gio, if you yes. if you could take um, Sebastian Giovinco to start again in your roster this this season, yes. But you were uh, given the opportunity to swap him for Joseph Martinez. Would you do it? No, I wouldn't. Uh, the identity that you know TFC built something that can't be matched with joseph martinez martinez is impressive don't get me wrong and he played very well off uh miguel Amiron. but the way vasquez 
fed Javinko the way Josie and Javinko played off each other. It was something else, you know. The 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 club really meshed together for that, especially for that 2017 season, which they set, you know, a ridiculously high standard. And yes, it fell apart the year after, but you know, can't all be perfect. <laughs> Um, Austin, just listening to you there, you can tell that Giovinco meant so much to yourself and the other TFC fans. Are you disappointed yeah. then that he's he has gone to Saudi Arabia and not maybe back to Europe or an, another competitive league? You know what? He's ending, you know, closing to the end of his career. He can't hold a man back from wanting to get a paycheck. You know, he's probably going to be his last big money uh, deal. You can't, I can't, I can't harvest any ill feelings towards him for that one. So how do we go forward with TFC this season? Because we don't know really what to expect. It was a, it was a mixed bag last year and that was with Gio. How do we yeah. replace Giovinco and what are your expectations for the season going forward? Uh, I expect it to be a bit of a mess. You know, we got rid of, we, we lost Nick Hagland, Victor Vasquez, uh, doesn't look like we'll have um, Vanderveel back because of an incident with Greg Vanny. Um, you know, we're losing a lot. And then we're going to lose Juvinko. We lose Juvinko as well. I know we just, we signed Lawrence Simon. That's a good, good sign. You know, uh, we just got Terrence Boyd. Uh, I believe that's how you pronounce his name from a uh, two Bundesliga as Toussaint Ricketts replacement pretty much. But, Honestly, if they're going to do anything, they're going to have to make a big signing and do it soon if they want to be serious about contending for MLS Cup again. If not, then it's going to be just a rebuilding season. Uh, well, last season, uh, one of the, the the excuses, if you will, for the poor season was the fact that you were quite busy at the start of the, the campaign with the CONCACAF Champions League and stuff like that. You're in it again this time. Is a Toronto going to have a different sort of mindset going into these games? You know, for the bulk of the players that played uh, CCL last year, you'd think they're going to be a little more used to it. Uh, I think the CCL route that we have this year is much more favorable. Um, it's not as intense. You know, we're not tr- taking multiple trips down to Mexico so early on. And our early schedule is very light. So it works in our favor this year. Can I can I ask you about Griffin Dorsey, who uh, was obviously drafted in the in the MLS Super Draft? How much do we know about him? What's been going on preseason, and, and how was that sort of? Uh, how did the supporters gauge that in terms of what was available at, at the time for that pick? Honestly, the, he it, there hasn't been much response. It's more of just it's going to be a roster filler. You know, it's depth, uh, which we lacked greatly last year. And hopefully, you know, he'll he'll work with whatever Vanny wants to put out. And I know with our new, with uh, Ali Curtis coming in and his great work with homegrowns and uh, MLS draft picks, hopefully we can meld him into something that will work very well for the team in the future. But, you know, it's too early to tell, uh, especially with our 5-1 loss against Las Vegas Lights the other day. So in preseason, <laughs> it's not looking too bright. <laughs> yeah, Las Vegas lights were looking very bright. And um, w- <laughs> w- what do you know about that particular that particular preseason game? What what sort of uh, squad was on the pitch? How strong a team was was the TFC side? And and how much can you it really w- take from that? 
I don't think well, it's preseason, so you can't. I don't want to say you can take a lot from it, but as an example, our 2017 season, we lost four four nothing Chicago Fire in preseason, and then we took the MLS Cup. So, you know, take what you will from it. I think it's a little sad that you know the supposed best team in MLS history, or less fragments of it, lose five one to a USL team, though. Very true. Um, I'll tell you what. Before you go, Austin, let's do a let's yeah. propose a little trade. Okay, you can take any MLS player in the league, yeah, and propose any kind of MLS swap deal. What would you go for? Who would you Who would you want? Who would I want? Oh, that's such a great question. Where are you um, Where are you desperate for a little bit of a little bit extra talent? Honestly, I wish we could have taken Miguel on your own. <laughs> in, my, in, in all honesty, um, you know, I, I I wouldn't even go within MLS. I, I honestly, we need talent from outside of MLS. We need something better. Okay, you thinking? I can't think in Premier League. Oh, if I had a choice from Premier League, I'd take Wilfred Zaha or Andy Carroll any day. You know, I- Carroll on a healthy day, Andy Carroll on a healthy day. I think Andy Cowell's yeah. worth a punt for an MLS side. It's just the money. I mean, he's on a hell of a lot of money. Oh, I know. West Ham's got him locked up real well. <laughs> but I, I fancy Andy Carroll to MLS, though. That's a good shout. That would be, you know. And that's one of those identity things. Like DC United last year bringing in Wayne Rooney when they opened up a new stadium. You know, that's what Javinko was to us. He was an identity. Hmm. It was a big marquee signing. And that it, it's, you know... I am hung up on it because it is a great loss for the club. Yeah, even, um, I don't know whether you, well, you probably did see, but you on our Twitter and Instagram, we put a little video when he left of uh, a few of his, his highlights. That Chicago fire goal, like that yes. is what that is an incredible goal, right? Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I've been, I've been in, uh, in the stadium when he scored a, a couple of those free kick goals and you know, at one point in time, his free kick ratio was uh, better than that of Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. His conversion rate. Uh, me and Henry uh, always uh, always say this: like everybody jokes about um, Cristiano Ronaldo always scoring these free kicks. He actually doesn't. He really doesn't score that many free kicks. Giovinco, one hundred percent. I would rather have Giovinco standing over that ball oh, than Cristiano sure. Ronaldo, one hundred percent. I know. No, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> so. Um, so Austin, before you go, um, you, yes. you seem very despondent at the moment. I mean, we've still got three or four weeks till the start of the season. If I had yes. to say to you now, what's your prediction for T- TFC this season? What would you go for? Um, best case scenario, conference finals. I know. We'll, we'll, uh, hopefully, we'll learn from our mistakes last year, and uh, we'll, we'll make playoffs. You know, we'll make playoffs. But I don't see us taking MLS Cup. Hopefully we do a decent, decent run in CCL and uh, take Canadian Championship again. And that's all I can hope for. Okay. Well, Austin, best of luck for the season. Great to chat to you. Thanks very much. Sure, we'll catch up with you very soon. Yeah, thank you to Jeb and to Austin for chatting to us about Atlanta and Toronto, respectively. One th- uh, one other uh, key component that's going to be missing, not as not as huge as Gio leaving or Via leaving or um, Miggy going to going to England, but uh, Valenzuela for Columbus Crew torn ACL 
out for the entire 2019 season, which I think is is a really big miss for for Columbus and and you know for for people who are watching teams like Columbus and enjoying the games because Valenzuela was was a big part of of what they do, uh, so he's not going to be a part of of the 2019 season at all. Yeah, it kind of uh, reminds me of uh, Morris for Seattle, mm. who started last yeah. season did a you know had a long term injury and and now he's going to come back. So Valenzuela is a very good player for Columbus. Seattle didn't do as bad, so uh, <laughs> hopefully Columbus can replace him and then he'll be back fresh next year. We like a new player. Yeah, Seattle. Uh, Seattle got there in the end, didn't they last year last season? A um, couple other bits to to pick up on. Uh, Giovanni dos Santos, LA Galaxy. They've currently got four designated players mm. you're only allowed three um, now the rumor today is that um he's going to be taking a pay cut from six million to 1.5 <sighs> so that they can give him imagine being able to do that i know there'll be stuff like they'll they'll give him a bit of money you know as a signing on fee or whatever but imagine that's like uh, I don't know I can't do the maths, but that's a lot of money. This is of course using Tam targeted allocation yeah, yeah. money to to buy down his his contract. Now you can only uh, look. I'm not an expert on this. I think you can only use a maximum of 1.5 mil when it comes to Tam. Yeah. Otherwise, you could store up like eight millions worth of of Tam, do a load of trades to get a load of Tam, and then say to Zlatan, right, mate, you're not a designated player anymore, but. We're buying down your contact yeah. contract. Here's eight million. Um, so the limit is one point five. That's their only option. They have to get rid of one of those. Uh, yeah, it's the same as Atlanta did with Miggy. Um, apparently, he is going to be happy with that because uh, he really wants to live in LA and he, and he really enjoys the lifestyle. So interesting um, that Dos Santos could be staying with LA Galaxy, earning quite a considerable amount of money less. Let's just say. Yeah, I mean, Dos Santos is one of those. I think looking on the outside, you look at Dos Santos and you'd be like, yeah, you'd have him in your team. But I know a lot of LA Galaxy fans are very hit and miss with him. I think he is that hit and miss player where he can do it on his day, but then there's a lot of days where he doesn't. So arguably, and I'm sure the this may be split, but I'm sure the majority of Galaxy fans would agree, that's probably what he's worth anyway. And if you can get, you know, three better players in in those DP spots, then, it, yeah, they've probably just said to De Santos, well, you either stay or you go. Mm. This is your deal. Take yeah. it or leave it. Yeah, they'll be they'll be pleased with, with, with what they've brought in. They'll be pleased with, with how it, you know, managing to, to keep Zlatan for a start. Uh, having their, having four DPs, it's not a bad situation to be in, providing you've got the, the TAM to, to kind of mix things around and, and get it right, and you've got a player who's willing to have their contract brought down. Uh, so that looks like that may be sorted. We'll obviously have to keep tabs on that. Um, and when we were prepping for this podcast earlier on, um, I wanted to talk about Philadelphia Union, who are rumoured to be signing Marco Fabian. Now, um, this has since gathered speed, and he's touched down in Philly. So that's pretty much happening. Um, he might be on holiday. Yeah, he might, well, he might just, want just a, visiting. He might want a cheesesteak. I don't yeah. know. Didn't didn't want to go to uh, didn't want to go to New York. Fancies a little, you know, yeah. something a little bit. Left might field. be a Will Smith fan or yeah. a Rocky fan. He might be. <laughs> Um, so uh, Marco Fabian Mexican international was at Eintracht in Germany now he was a target for a few MLS clubs a few years ago and I remember this name coming around couldn't tell you a lot about him until today when I did a little bit of research but I I recognised the name Mm. um, name being mentioned Um, and it turns out that uh, Philly were one of the big clubs that that were interested in bringing him to MLS uh, maybe 2013 2014 yeah 
as far back as that. Uh, and so the deal, uh, due to his, his injury, uh, he's, got, uh, he's had quite a bad back injury, apparently. Um, so due to, due to that, Eintracht in Germany, not entirely sure that, that they want him. And so he's become available. And I think this is one of those weird kind of gambles where you say, right, well, this is the player that we really wanted four or five years ago. He's now available. So they've just gone. They've just gone in. You know, they've just gone blindside straight in, um, and and hopefully as a as a number ten he can he can make things happen. I love the idea of Ilsenio and and uh, Marco Fabian coming in. Yeah, it, it it is exciting for the Union fans. I mean, it it just reminds me of. Do you know when you've I don't know if you've had that that girl that you've you've always been friends with? I know and, what you're going to say. I, you I know, nearly used this analogy. You fancied a few years ago, but it just didn't quite work out. They got with someone else, and then you've been with someone else, and and now you're finally single at the same time. You know, well done. They've Philly. gained a little bit of weight, but you're still okay with it. They've got themselves a new player for Valentine's Day. Well done. <laughs> um, we I really want to talk about Colorado. Because I feel like they've they've really really made moves, and I feel like they're in a really good direction. But shall we save this? Yeah, I was just going to say, I, let's save it for a special, because um, we need to talk more about this. We've got our Colorado designated fans. Mm. That's a good. Should we call them designated fans? Love that. DFs. Uh, we've got our Colorado designated DF. phoners. DP. Yes. Boom. Um, but yeah, you've. This is all you've been saying all preseason, all close season is Colorado, Colorado. Look I'm what Colorado excited doing. for Colorado, and you have to understand, right? Somebody in this particular, shall we say, MLS era, mm-hmm. where I, I, I've got into it in the last three, four, five years, Colorado not been a force, no, no, not no. been at the races. I'm looking at the roster. I won't say anymore. I'm looking at the roster, and I'm looking, and I'm liking. Yeah, Tim Howard's last season as well. well he's announced not, his retirement. So. He can go. I'm not liking it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it'd be nice to do something for Tim Howard as well. But, yeah, exciting times for Colorado. There's a lot of teams where we're genuinely excited. There's a few where we're like, mm, you've not really done much mm. and uh, you're probably going to finish bottom. But there's a lot of change, even with the managers. You look at, like, San Jose and Dallas and, you know, there's a lot of change going on, which is exciting for this league where even if everything remained the same, it's still very unpredictable. So, you know, like... I don't know. Give me the two conference finalists. You could give, you could say Atlanta and I don't know uh, New York Red Bulls mm. and the two LA teams or whatever. San Jose. Yeah, you, you don't. Well, you don't know. San Jose no. could be. You don't know. So uh, you say that now, and then we look again in September. And you're like, well, we got not out of four, right? Yeah, I mean, this time last season we were looking at. If you looked at Red Bulls, you'd be like, well, they'll be up there. Mm. But a couple of weeks in, we watched them play, and we were like, wow. This Rebels team is playing some good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, just on that, I uh, don't want to make this, you know, like like we always do, end up about Atlanta and Orlando. We've touched a lot on Atlanta already. Not but enough, I don't think. There was, there was a preseason uh, scrimmage, as they call it. Yeah. Um, between uh, Red Bulls and Orlando City. Now, as an Orlando fan, I didn't like this because New York Red Bulls have had to have been at the races. They've started their preseason a lot earlier because of their involvement in CONCACAF. Uh, they've got Champions League games to prepare to prepare for. Um, and they've said themselves they need to be, you know, knockout ready, as they call it, within, you know, four weeks of everybody else starting pre-season. So they've been, they've been going a, a lot longer. And they really struggled against Orlando from, from all uh, reports that, that I've read. Um, Red Bull not happy with their performance in that, in that, 
particular scrimmage. It's one game. It's preseason. The lineup was strong, and I think they're going to need they're going to need a, a, a lot more because Orlando managed to break them down fairly easily. And this is an Orlando side that I do not back whatsoever. No, I mean, Red Bulls, uh, you'd fancy them to be there or thereabouts, especially after last season. I'm sure they'll be hungrier this year to actually go all the, all the, all the way on it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, come on, you can't be going losing to Orlando in, in pre-season. That's not good enough. But uh, anyway, Red- I mean, it was a draw. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> based on performance... Anyone who don't know a score, I laugh because you're like, oh, they were, they were unhappy, they had a bad performance, they really... It was a draw, but still. Well, it's because you'd expect them, having been at, yeah, been at the races a lot longer than Orlando yeah, yeah. this season, you'd expect them to go and turn them over. Um, and it was the performance which they had an issue with, apparently. I didn't see it. They had an issue with the, with the performance, apparently it was very poor, so... Well, we'll see. I, I fancy Red Bulls to do a bit of a... Well, they kind of did last year, because they had a... a Kind of a slow start, didn't they? Mm. I was going to say they were going to, they could be like the Seattle of this year, but uh, he kind of did it last year. So I think, um, yeah, the, all of the teams in the Champions League, we touch on it um, a bit with uh, with Jeb and and Austin actually, but um, I think all of them in the Champions League are going to have to accept that the first few months of the season might be difficult, but then unlike Toronto, you've got to hit, you know, mm. kick on over the summer months. Yeah. Um, before we go. You yep. don't know the answer to today's game with the name that changes. changes. <laughs> uh, what's it called? Game with the changing name. Yeah. I, I actually think I do. And I'll tell you why. Because um, remind me. Who's, okay, who's let's, let's, let's recap. So um, this particular player who's uh, topical this week. Yeah. Uh, started at Manchester City. Went to Preston North End. Uh, also played at Bolton Wanderers and went to Seattle Sounders, where they made their MLS debut. They've played for more MLS teams, but I don't want to give it away. If you'd have sold me this about, well, yesterday, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have got it. Okay. However, I think I've got it, because this weekend, Bolton play Preston, uh-huh. uh, which I'm going to, so please feel for me on that, because it's going to be really cold and Bolton are rubbish. Uh, but they did a feature on the website... Played for both teams. Uh, and this guy featured. I thought, I didn't know he played for Preston. I thought he played for Burnley. 70 appearances for Preston. Is it Tyrone Mears? It's Tyrone Mears. Yeah. And, and another reason why I know is because um, of, since our last podcast, we have introduced something on our uh, social medias called uh, 60 Second Soccer. Um, so MLS UK Show, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, if, you've, uh, if you don't follow us. And uh, we, the first one I did was best UK best goals from UK yep. players or something like that. Tyrone Mears and Tyrone Mears appeared scoring for Seattle. It was a great goal coming in at the far post at the edge of the area, right in the far corner. Um, so yeah, so that's how that's how I know. Sixty five appearances for Seattle Sounders went to Atlanta United, of course. Twenty appearances uh, and last season Minnesota United eleven appearances scored one goal for each of his MLS sides. But what a goal for Minnesota. Do you remember that? Yeah. Was it against SKC? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What a goal. Uh, so, yeah, well done to everybody who got that. And uh, as always, get involved as much as you can at MLS UK Show on Twitter. And we'll be back next week with another episode. So, for everyone who's been like, oh, where's MLS UK Show gone? We'll be back uh, and we'll be focusing on some more teams, chatting to some more fans. 
uh, ahead of the 2019 season. Yeah, well, we'll be back unless you decide to move shows again and make it difficult for us to record it. But yeah, I left. I left the show that actually like pays my mortgage. Yeah, I'm still studio with you in the one that doesn't. <laughs> one day it might rate the podcast, like it. Then one day it may pay his mortgage. Do you know what I thought about this? We've never once begged for anyone to give us like five stars or to rate the podcast or to comment or anything. I thought about this the other day when I listened I listened to a load of podcasts on my way to work. So I have like a 45, 50 minute drive. Listen to loads and at the end they're like, uh, hey guys, please uh, like and subscribe and rate the rate the podcast. And I'm like, we never say that. Should we Should we beg? I don't know if we should. I don't know. I had a look on um, our like ratings on iTunes or whatever it is. You know more than I do. Um, and we're doing quite well. I think we've got... Somebody give us a one. If you give us a one, you know, let us know who you are. We're not going to do anything. We're just curious. Like, you know, we can we can do better. But the majority... I'm not going to find you and I'm not going to kill you. <laughs> but most of us... Um, yeah, most of us are... A, a, sorry, most of you are giving us five. So that's really nice. So, yeah, rate it. Send us a... I don't know. Do Do what you do. We're, try- we're, yeah. we're trying. Give us five, give us a star for trying at least. Um, no, five stars. Don't give us a star. That will lower our rating. <laughs> yeah, give us five stars. It works for, on averages, people. Just for turning up. Um, thanks, guys. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. See ya. Sports Social Podcast Network.